Wrapping up our conversation about the new collective bargaining agreement, does it mean that Malcolm Brogdon is on his way out? Is there a way to keep Peyton Pritchard because of that? What's going on with Grant Williams and Jalen Brown, his extension? Is it a foregone conclusion? It's all right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champions. Boston, baby, we do what you can. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J-team, step back. We gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry O.B. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Raining Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network where it's your team every day. And I'm here for you every day with a free, fresh podcast drop directly to your device if you're a subscriber. So open up your favorite podcasting app, hit that subscribe button, get the show directly to your device once it drops. Do the same thing on YouTube, hit that bell, get notified when I drop a video. Hop into the comments section, let me know what you think about all this collective bargaining agreement stuff. I'll answer questions on Friday about stuff in all three of these podcasts with me and Keith. So drop a question in that uh, johncorrales.com slash mailbag. Uh, I'll try to get to as many of, I, of them as I can. I will consolidate some. If I get multiple ones of the same one, I'll, I'll pick a representative question to kind of incorporate everything. So make sure you're doing that. But today's show, by the way, brought to you by Game Time. Game Time will get you last minute tickets, the lowest price guaranteed on those. Download the Game Time app. Create an account, use the promo code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. In this podcast, remember, so Monday was part one, part two yesterday, uh, setting the table, kind of getting to some of the specifics, the bigger picture stuff. Now we're really diving into specific players. Malcolm Brogdon, Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams, Jalen Brown, and more. Let's dive into this part, the final part, part three of our conversation on the collective bargaining agreement with Keith Smith. All right. All right. Uh, let me choke down this bile <laughs> and get to, get to business here. Yep. Let's start with, you're going to have to tinker around the edges. So it's obvious. It's obvious this summer, they're going to have to find a way off a bigger contract. Yep. So, goodbye, Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, yeah. it's it's either Malcolm or Marcus, right? That's that. Honestly, that's or your choice. Derek White. And I, mean, and, I don't and think I anybody don't, wants it to be Derek. I White. don't think I don't like. I don't want it to be Derek White. I feel like yeah. of the three, Derek White is the safest. Yep. Um, now, Marcus, what's Marcus's deal? I know he's under. For, for this coming season, Marcus Smart, 18.5 million. He's got two, three years total left at yep. 50, almost 60 million, 59.9. Um, 18.6, 19.9, So it's a, it's a fair amount of money. Yep. Um, you got Malcolm Brogdon, who is under contract for two more seasons. Yep, twenty-two and a half. Next season and the season after for twenty-two and a half. So each, each to be each, each, each. So you have currently more money in in Brogdon savings 
but one extra year in Marcus Smart. Derek White, I'm I'm all for. Keep Derek White. He's been so good. He's so smart, and, and he's the cheapest of the three. So, and it's not that he's cheap, but he's got 17.6 and 18.8 over the next two seasons. So one less year than smart, and he's cheaper than everybody. Mm-hmm. So he stays to me. But it feels like, but also he's, it's not like he's without, uh, you know, issues. You know, he, he is, he is smaller. He's the smallest of the, of the three. And he figured out how to defend Jimmy Butler, but bully guards are going to bully him. Um, it feels like the first matter of business is deciding which two of those guards are going to stick around before you get to the Grant Williams thing, which two guards stick around. Uh, to me, I'm, I'm always pro Marcus um, Brogdon who's only here for a year he was the sixth man, sixth man of the year. Great. Um, but he also, I think, had the most difficult fit of, of the three. Um, he, for some reason, never wanted to pass to Robert Williams. I don't <laughs> think, I, honestly, I don't think he wanted to pass much at all. Like he went and, and was very much like looking for himself, his shot first. And then passed off of that. That's just the type of player that he was. And I know, just if I can interject real quick, I don't even know if that was necessarily the worst thing in the world. No, he was he was anchoring the second unit, right? Yeah, I think so, that was part of what his his deal was. Is like right away. I mean, how many times did we all say this is what they needed was somebody else could get their shot and right, you know, create something for himself. And more often than not, he didn't did that well. I will also say too, you combine his availability. And his efficiency with his, you know, what his counting stats would have been had he played as many minutes as he usually plays, which is in like the low 30s. He, this was probably his best all around season. Yeah. Um, you know, his numbers, if he still played, you know, 33 minutes per game, now you could question would he have held up and, you know, played, you know, as many and games as he thing. did. Yes. Um, but if you put it all together with his efficiency, this was easily his best season all around. Like he, I mean, he shot the lights out. He was 40, almost a 50, 40, 90 guy, not all that far off it. Um, you know, and you know, still was a pretty good playmaker at times is even if, you know, felt like a lot of his assists were more, all right, well, there's three seconds left in the shot clock and I've dribbled away, you know, 20 yeah. of them. I got to, you know, throw this away now. Um, but it's the availability piece for me. I think the Celtics got as fortunate of a year with Malcolm Brogdon as they are going to get uh, for the last two years of his his contract. I will be shocked if he plays in 67 regular season games and look what happened at the end of the year. It sucks, and I'm not blaming the guy, but just the reality is this is an injury-prone player, and it was always felt like all year long, I was like, man, we made it all the way through the regular season with Brogdon. Like, is something going to happen? And then, unfortunately, it did because it's just that's been the, the story of his career since basically his rookie season. He's always had something that's kept him out. So, you know, there, there's just there's that worry in the back of my head of, you know, you that becomes a not not even, you know, the major stuff where the, you know, it becomes a season ending injury, but just like a man, like this guy's out again, like that turns into all right, that's $22 million on your bench that's not playing for you yeah. and all of a sudden that wonderful guard depth 
is it gone because that what we did was we we got rid of either smart or white. I'm already counting Pritchard is gone. I, I don't think there's any chance he's back next year, barring major changes to the roster. Um, so then that turns into all right, now what? Right, because now Brogdon's out. We kept him over, let's just say Derek White, and now we're in a spot where he's injured, and now we're back to you know a few years ago. Now it's just Marcus Smart again. You know, and we all know what happens when Smart has to play a lot of minutes. He ends up out too. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't go well. But is it possible now that you find a way to move Brogdon and maybe, maybe I mean, look, you're, you're also looking to, if you move Brogdon, you're, you're dealing away the sixth man of the year. You're going to get something useful in sure. return. So, <laughs> better at least. You know, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, is it is it possible that Brogdon goes a Grant Williams replacement comes back sure. and and then Peyton Pritchard just slides into the third guard role? I think he's, so. He's cheap. He knows that he, you know he gets a, a more opportunity. It's not a you're not asking too much, but you're definitely saying, hey, you're going to get your 12 minutes a game here as a third guard, and we're just going to deal with it. And then in the playoffs you shrink him out of the the rotation anyway. So that's fine. But in the regular season, you can count on him. You know, he can shoot, you know, he knows the guys, you know, they like him. He works hard. He's got plenty of limitations, which has have kept him out in the first place. But I can see a plan where if we're just going, and this is strictly money wise, I would never have even proposed this plan under the old deal, but Malcolm Brogdon going out, and I don't even know what the process, what what the trade would be, but Brogdon going out in exchange for a big of some sort, either insurance for Rob or uh, insurance for Al Horford aging or a replacement for Grant Williams, and then you just keep uh, keep Pritchard around, that, that's going to... That's gonna, help you minimize some of the, and then, and then somebody that you can either wave and going into next summer, that's salary off the books. You're just going to have to, it's, it's going to have to be like some gymnastics here. But to me, that, that the first, the first domino to fall because of the collective bargaining agreement is going to be Brogdon part one and possibly Grant Williams part two. We'll continue this conversation coming up next. First, today's show brought to you by Game Time, the best place to get last-minute tickets, fast and easy, for all of the types of shows and sports and comedy and theater, whatever it is last minute. You're going out this weekend, you're not sure what to do, open up the Game Time app and just cruise through plenty of last-minute tickets with killer deals and their best price guarantee so you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you're going to have. The Game Time guarantee means you're always getting the best price. So if you find tickets in the same section in row for less, game time gives you 110% of the difference. So forget planning months in advance. They've got deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get an image of the seat before you buy. So you know exactly what you're looking at. That's huge. And then you can get the tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps. You're all set. And they're sent directly to your phone, so you don't have to dig through all of the emails. Don't be that person holding up the line, digging through emails, looking for your tickets. Get them right on your phone. Snag tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, 
Use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, the lowest price, guaranteed. Hey, thanks for making Lockdown Celtics your first listen every day. Make Lockdown NBA your second listen. Jake Madison and I are hosting this Wednesday show. We're breaking down game three of the NBA Finals, looking ahead to a pivotal game from the Denver side, from the Miami side. Uh, so check it out, Lockdown NBA, wherever you get your podcast. Now let's continue this conversation on the CBA as we talk specifically about these players, the Celtics. What are they going to do right now with Keith Smith? All of the focus or not all, but 90% of it has been on Jalen Brown. And I think to some extent, I, I think there's a case to be made for you. Just offer him the most you can kick that can down the road and figure it out. Yeah. Later, right. Yeah. Because I, and I tend to think that's probably just how it's going to go. Um, you know, so, and I know that brings up a whole bunch of, you know, well, he just had eight turnovers and a must win game and yeah. all that other stuff. Yeah. And you know what? They don't even get there if he wasn't great, you know, in the earlier rounds and, you know, a lot yeah. of other stuff. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, hold one game against him. I, you know, he has flaws for sure. He's not a perfect player. And there's, I think we saw in the life of this playoffs, the difference between him and Jason Tatum is, you know, it's Jason Tatum is an A1 superstar MVP level guy. And Jalen Brown is probably, this is probably the max of where he'll be. And you know what? If the max of where your career ends up is second team all NBA, you know, that's not bad, right? That's yeah. a pretty good player. You know, I, I think it's just anybody who is suggesting him and Tatum are equals and, you know, Tatum just gets no. all pressed. Like they're just not, right? That's just the reality of it. But to your point on that, I don't know that that's the big story. I think the bigger story is what do you, what do, you do with the guards? And then, what you want to get into now, what happens with Grant? Yeah. I, so I'm not even considering trading Jalen, not even considering it yeah. because of all the things, like you, you just, you don't trade Jalen now because of the super, uh, super tax, you know, collective bargaining agreement thing. You don't do that. Now you roll with it. You, you take that into the first couple years of that and see, how it works because mm -hmm. what do you do? Who do you trade him for? Who do you trade him for? Like DeAndre Ayton? Like, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, like, who, yeah. who are you trading him for? What yeah. team are you putting? Like, I understand that maybe this isn't going to work. Maybe Jalen and Jason won't work, at, you know, ultimately. It's working pretty well. It's just, I think style of play is a bigger thing than the the two specific players. You know, to me, the style of play, and I wrote a little bit about that. I'll talk about this ad nauseum. Tatum and Brown, and you said Tatum is a, an A1 super – no, I don't even think he's there. I think there's a tier of Giannis, KD, those are the like the A1, like number one top – Get your shot whenever you want. Unstoppable kind of guy. Tatum is like right below that tier. That's fair. Where I think he can't or hasn't been able to just he he can do it from time to time in big moments. I don't think he's consistently bringing it. You know what? I'm curious to get your thought on this. Sorry. I think one of his issues, and I know we're getting a little far afield here, is I don't think he likes to take bad shots 
And I think because he wants to take a good shot or create a good shot every time, I think that is something that separates him at times. Where every once in a while, you'll see KD, he dribbles himself into a shot that it's like, Why, what are you doing? But but he can get it off, and he takes it, and often makes it. And then it's like, all right, well, it's not bad because it went in, I guess. Right. And I wonder with Tatum, I think sometimes there's these times where it's you see it, and it's like his thought process is almost – well, I could take this contested 18-foot shot, but but that's not good. Like, that's not the good shot, right? I want to get to the great shot. And then then that turns into the whole possession becomes a mess, and, and he doesn't yeah. even end up shooting it. And that's where sometimes it's like, I'd rather have you taking a bad shot than, you know, almost anybody else on the roster taking a good shot. So here, here's my quick take on that. that. Kevin Durant takes those bad shots and makes those bad shots. That's what makes him that level superstar above Tatum. Tatum can take those bad shots. He's historically taken a lot of those bad shots, the contested 18-foot fadeaways. He takes those, and he's horrible at them. He is terrible in – like, he's he's great in the mid-range, stepping into uh, against the zone, at the nail, making a play, take stepping into a shot there. He can do that. Backing somebody down – Taking the the Kobe fadeaway 18-footer, he is not good at that. That shot historically has been like a 34% shot for him. It's awful. That's why he's gotten away from taking those shots because he has never found a way to just take them and make them. And I think that's because he fades so much. Kevin Durant has a super high release, but he just steps up. He fades a little bit. But Tatum fades like 45-degree angle. Like, I don't know if he's going to land on his feet type of thing. Durant has the – he's seven feet tall, and he's got this high release, and he just has this great sense of, oh, the defense is going this way. Now I can rise up. I'm not going to get that swipe down block, the Derek White block. Um, I'm just going to rise up, and boom, I'm going to hit this shot. Even though there's two guys in my face, he's created this separation – where he's he's just it's it ends up being a weirdly clean look. Yeah. For contest contest. Yeah, because barely anybody can get to it. Yeah. It's and, and I'm with you on that. With yeah, the way Tatum shoots those fallaways where it is like he's he, it almost seems like, yeah, he's like, what what is it? Parallel I, to the ground, right? Where it's like, what is happening? Where KD's almost always perpendicular yeah. to the ground, right? It, and it's I, I get you on that one. I just KD is um sorry, he's like uh the the motion his shooting motion it, it, there's like a what's the phrase I'm looking for um, he he just doesn't have as much jankiness like Tatum yeah, for him to yeah. shoot has like a gather a kind of like flip and like he has like more elements to his jump shot where KD is just like pull boom pure pure yeah. form Tatum yeah, KD comes off the dribble. It is right up into a shot where Tatum, yes. and I don't know if it's, I, I don't know this. I'd have to look it up. Does Tatum have longer arms, whatever it is. It just feels like there's much more of a swing into yeah. his shot where it's like he rocks and swings into it when it's falling. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. And, mm-hmm. you know, it looks beautiful. But yeah, KD is, I mean, it, you know, didn't, I guess I would argue like if this is the hairs we're splitting, like we're probably pretty good place to be with Jason Tatum, <laughs> but right. I mean, that's, you know, with that just to now to maybe, maybe I'll try to get us back on track <laughs> here, but I, I, I think, you know, 
I just my reason for even get, getting down that path is I think with the Jalen Brown stuff, it becomes a thing of the only way I'm going to trade him is if we offer him the Supermax as the Celtics. If I'm Brad Stevens and we offer him the Supermax and he says, eh, I'm good, then mm-hmm. then I've got to look at because that to sure. me is he's sure. going, right? We have seen one player since the Supermax has been a thing say no, that was Kawhi Leonard, and it was because he wanted to be traded, and he ultimately got traded. I And I'm not, I don't pretend to even begin to know what Jalen Brown is thinking. I don't even know. I think we are hitting a, I'm not saying it's him, but I think we are hitting a generation of star players who I don't know that it is all about grab every last single penny you can get. I think there is a generation of players who is, hey, I'm going to make more money than I could ever spend my family's yeah. going to be set for generations now anyway. I want to be somewhere where I want to do other things. I want to be where I want to be. I want to be in this sure. city. I want to play with these players. And I think that is starting to change. I think, you know, it sounds very easy for me, and I say it all the time, Jalen Brown would be giving up you know, potentially 80 to $100 million to leave the Celtics to go to another team. Well, that sounds all well and good until it's like, yeah, but what's eighty to hundred million dollars for a guy who's going to make probably by the time it all is said and done, probably three quarters of a billion dollars in just basketball salary alone? Why does he? He doesn't care, right? To some extent, right? I mean, I'm sure he does, but like to some extent, and I don't know. He used to be, I mean, right? We've been watching and loving and understanding this game for probably right around the same amount of time, and it used to be you couldn't take less because it made your status in the league go down, right? Yeah. You had to take yeah. every penny you could get because that was a status symbol. You were a max player. Yes. I'm a max yeah. player, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, I, I just, I don't know that that's a thing anymore. I think a lot of these guys are like, what? I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Like, that's not, that's just not where I am. And honestly, that's probably a far healthier way to function and operate than I need every single last you know, penny I can get. My only counter to that because you're, everything you said is completely correct. That players nowadays, especially at that level, the you you forget how much money you have. There's a point yeah, where you're like, that's true. Do I have uh, eight hundred million, nine hundred? Ah, I don't know. I lose count. <laughs> um, which is a great place to be. You know, congratulations. Yeah. Um, Must be nice to just sign the dinner check and never even look at the amount. Right? Yeah, yeah. Must be done. Yeah. Um, however, uh, union folks do frown upon taking less than your absolute maximum worth because they don't like the precedent that it sets and they want to make sure that everybody has the fair opportunity. Right. right? And so Jalen is a a big union guy. He's a VP. Um, And, and so I think, I think he may have that attitude be like, I don't care. I'm making plenty of money and he can sign a shoe deal whenever he wants. I don't even know what his shoe deal status is, he can he can get endorsements wherever he wants. He can make even more money. Yep. But to take away that leverage for future people in his situation, even though he thinks a certain way, he might say, like, look, if I say I'm gonna take less, then I don't want to put a future NBA player in a position for an owner to be like, hey, Jalen took less. You know, he he's, you know, you're gonna help us out or what? All these other guys are taking less money and it vilifies the guy who decides not to take less. And so 
I still think that there's some element of that, that, that will keep him in that upper, upper tier. Um, but still, I just don't see the Jalen Brown question. We could talk about it and then I can do a whole separate podcast on the Jalen Brown question. I still think the Grant Williams question for now is the more relevant one. Yep. Brogdon, I think just looking at the tea leaves, I'd rather keep Marcus smart for at least another year and then see, um, I'm definitely keeping Derek white and Derek white can be the six man or the starter. And they just go you know, like, however, however they figure out how they want to play, however it is, whatever. But I still think Brogdon is probably gone and you got to figure out Grant Williams. Do you go the two year? Hey, we're going to give you your, you know, we think you're worth 18. We're going to give you 22 because next summer we're going to trade you and we need somebody that makes 22 so we can get a, a player or players that make less than that. And, you know, we got to play by the super tax rules. Do they do that? Or do they say, we're going to give you what you're worth. We're just going to match reasonable thing. And we just want to keep our guys. And if we need to trade you next summer, we just trade you. Or do they say, Oh my God, we need the flexibility as soon as possible. We're going to use, like I said before, we're going to use Brogdon to get your replacement. You can go sign your deal somewhere. Congratulations. It's been fun. Good luck. And, and let them walk away. I don't know which of those three they're going to do, but I feel like they're all viable options for him. Yeah, I completely agree. And I also think too, this is where like I've gone, you know, I go through this every year with the restricted free agents and it's, you know, you're even the unrestricted free agents. And it's like, as you start to look through the teams that project to have cap space, one of the things I look at is like, well, who need, who could use a Grant Williams? Well, of all the teams that have cap space, basically answers all of them, right? Yeah. They, they, they're on a spot where, you know, on the right number, you can plug him in and that right number may be for them. You know, let's, I'm just, saying it, this is not any form of reporting or anything I've heard. But let's say the Celtics say, you know what, our walkaway number is 15 million. That's yep. that's that's where we're at. We cannot go a dollar higher than that because of you know multiple other reasons. And also that's just where we have your value at. Well you may have in Indiana or Oklahoma City or San Antonio that says, you know what, we can do 20. We can do 18 and get up to 24 by the end of the contract. We, we can do that. And that may be where the difference ends up coming in, right? Is like, all right, here we are, you know, th this is where we're going and we're going into the spot of, all right, you know, Grant, we're, we're going to give you, you know, $18 million. And it, it may put the Celtics in a spot where all of a sudden it doesn't even matter, right? Like, like we're out anyway, because we, we just, you know, we, we won't go to that number or to your point is, do they strike first and say, hey, here's a here's a number that's too big to walk away from? I think what you do in that situation is if you're going with, hey, we're going to give you $22 million, and we're going to give you that $22 million this coming season, $22 million the next season, I think you make the third season, hey, we'll make it $22 million, but we're only going to guarantee 12 mm -hmm. of it. Or we're going to, well, we'll give you $22 million, but it's going to have to be a team option. Right, where we can get get out of it fully free and clear, whatever it is. I think that's how you protect yourselves a little bit. There, where let's say all of a sudden next year, it's like, wow, Grant is shooting 45%, and he did become the Al Horford replacement, right? And he now is everything Al Horford 
you know, was for this team. And they're kind of ships passing in the night here as Horford ages out and Mm -hmm. into a backup role. Grant's ready to step in. Well, now you're protective a little bit because we've got him and we, we, we have him under contract and we're, we're in a good place. That's where I think any kind of overpay becomes a, we'll overpay you, but we're going to protect ourselves in the back end by having some level to keep you if you blossom into that versus well, we overpaid you, you blossomed and now you can just walk away anyway. That just becomes a very tricky spot, but I'm with you. I think there's a chance the Malcolm Brogdon spot gets turned into the backup ball handler becomes Peyton Pritchard in the backup big wing becomes whoever you get for Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. And that's the way that goes. And now you've kind of moved on from Brogdon and Grant both. You've cleared out that salary. You've reset things a little bit around Brown Tatum and the guys. And that's how you move it forward. Also knowing right, wrong or indifferent. There's a good chance Grant's replacement could be Danilo Gallinari next year. Right. I think it's very likely he picks up his his player option just because he hasn't played all year. And at his age, it'd be hard to see it. Sure. Saying, yeah, we'll give you, you know, $7 million. So I think it becomes, you know, he's kind of the offensive role that Grant had of, all right, get to the corner, you know, spot up. And all right, you can punish the occasional guy on a switch and back a guy down for your shots and those kind of things. And defensively, we'll have four defenders with you and we'll figure it out around you. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll make that work. Uh, it's a lot of work. This summer is going to be a busy one for the Celtics. That that's exactly. the bottom line is that this isn't going to be a Stan Pat summer. This isn't going to be under the old deal. This would have been honestly, you trade your, trade your first round pick again. <laughs> yeah. Package, package a couple of guys. See if you can get somebody with that first round pick again. Um, use your taxpayer mid-level to get some extra help somehow. Maybe find yourself a, like a deep bench big as insurance, and you know, tinker, tinker. Maybe, maybe there are you know whatever. But now it feels like big, big moves are coming. I think Brogdon and Grant are in the crosshairs with a a, a future eye to Jalen Brown. And we just kind of don't know what the rest of this roster is going to look like. Um, and the crazy thing is it's all going to kind of happen all at once. Like, yeah, I feel like these are all things that are going to almost the Brogdon part, because it's a potential trade that maybe that comes at the draft, right? You've got kind of a, a longer window on that one, but Grant, Grant being a restricted free agent, that does help a little bit. It's pretty rare that teams move immediately on restricted free agents. They usually let that first wave play through and then look at into those guys. But Jalen Brown, anything other than the Celtics delivering him a Supermax offer in an extension, there's a chance that's seen as, what are we doing here? Like, why? Well, what are we waiting on? Yeah. Right, well, what are we doing? Now, I will also say, too, I completely agree with you on the point of, you know, he kind of owes it to everybody else to take the most he can possibly get. There is a world where maybe he says, you know what, give me 32% of the cap. Give me 32.5%. And hopefully that little bit of wiggle room will we'll, we'll do that. That's what he did in his last ex- extension, right? The Celtics yeah. got him. Maybe he says, you know what, give, him, give me that and let's throw some incentives in there that I know I can meet. Right. Yeah. You challenged me to get this team to the deep in the playoffs to make all NBA and do all those things. You know what? I did them and I earned my max incentives. Maybe that's how they get there. You know, with this, it doesn't necessarily 
help everything, <laughs> but it's just you know little ways. These are just little games. The yeah. one thing I will say is, I think the Celtics, because of Mike Zarin and the role he plays in setting all of this stuff, I feel a little bit more confident that they're going to do it right and do it well than probably most other teams in the league. Sure. I, I think, you know, well, whatever. They, there's there's 900 other things we haven't even discussed or thought of that he's already probably got mapped out on as a contingency plan. And, yeah. And you know, we could do it this way. So that's where, you know, I do feel li- – I'm, I'm comforted in that at least. The Celtics have historically been great at manipulating – collective bargaining agreements. They find the weak spots, they hammer them, they know where to they know where they can get their their exceptions. They know they know all that stuff. So yes, that's true. Um I do think it's kind of funny that we're back at a point where you can legitimately ask Jalen Brown to take a haircut on a on a contract. And yeah, you can say, "Hey, look, we, we, we want to give you the 35, but here's everything." It's almost like it's less negotiation and more kind of like a partnership like explanation like we're looking for all of these things if you take 35 percent, these are the ramifications if you take 32 percent, and you're getting more than the 30 and then we can like you said give you incentives or whatever we can or work. you get the player option on the final deal with yeah. no questions asked you know may, yeah. or maybe yeah. you do maybe he wants a shorter contract and, and that's how three years and that's it too because you've also got a new tv deal coming in in a couple seasons where guys may look at that and say yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world to get back on the market again yeah. in a couple of years. I think what the Celtics have to be very careful of, um, and they did this the last time, was we can't give you the full deal because we got to give it to Jason Tatum in, in a year, a year behind you. You pull that again of, eh, we don't really want to give you the full deal because we know we're going to give it to Jason Tatum. You don't. You do run the risk of at some point the player is going to be like, hey, wait a minute, man. You can't, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't continually say the Jays and like, there's big J and little J, right? Like that's not how this works, right? Like, like I do need to, you can't continually put me as second, right? Like I need to be, I need to at least feel like I'm there. And that's where, that's where, I mean, that's why this is complicated, right? And this is why it's going to take a lot of negotiation, a lot of, this is where I think to Brad Stevens, being a former coach, having that relationship with these guys, hopefully will come into play in a positive way where it's like, Hey, I kind of get it. Like, let, let, let me, let me talk through the emotional side. You know, you handle the, the number side of it. I'll talk through the emotional side and we'll figure it out from there. So much, so much going on. What a wild summer this is going to be. Um, all right. We got to wrap this up. I got to stop somewhere. <laughs> Seriously. If I don't stop somewhere, we're going to keep going. And this is going to be like, maybe I could just make this a whole week of podcasts. <laughs> this is the whole week. You know, we're not going to tie no, Who cares about the finals? Where nobody's going to want to talk about basketball here. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll just we'll just wrap it up there. You know. Keith, as always, appreciate you hopping on and explaining the hell out of everything. We'll do it again after we see the ramifications. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. A lot to chew on there. A lot. So much that I broke it down into three podcasts. Now, I'm hoping that after you've listened to one, you get to process it. You listen to the second one, you get to process that. Now you get the whole culmination, everything in one spot here. What what can the Celtics do? How can they operate here? I also wrote a piece on Boston Sports Journal, so that can maybe help accompany these podcasts. So check that out as well. Uh, it's it's a lot, and you know what? As when the final document is written, there may be more, and I can have Keith back on when we get 
if there are any new wrinkles, maybe a surprise or so, we can get that. So keep it here. Make sure you're subscribed. This show continues to be Monday through Friday, five days a week. I've seen people complain about doing a show a week or two shows a week about the Celtics. And then people are like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I know how to do it. I've been doing it. Five shows a week, all through June, all through July. That's my promise. Still going to be here for regular Celtics coverage. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast. Watch a show on YouTube. Get into that comment section. Let me know what you think. And share the podcast, you everydayers who are with me on a daily grind. Love you. Thank you so, so much. Share the podcast. Tell your friends. Tell everybody they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.